This is episode number 600 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Yes, you have it. We've done it. 600 shows. Wow. Started almost eight years ago. Number 600. And honestly, folks, it would not be possible without all of your support. So every single person who has ever downloaded this show, who has ever spoken about the show, who has ever been on the show, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you also to our show sponsors, Smith Street Paleo. You know exactly where to check them out, smithstreetpaleo.com. Hello at Smith Street Paleo. All that paleo food, go and get involved. You know it's good for you. It makes you feel good. It makes you look good. You need it. Today's guest for the 600th show I was looking and I was like, we've got to do something big. And then I recorded this show the other week with Dan Wagstaff. And I was like, this is show number 600. This guy from Australia, absolutely incredible story from where he was hanging around with crazy people, getting into all these different situations, let's call it. I won't spoil the show. And he said one thing on the show that I just want to share with you right now. If you change the thinking, you change the action, the outcome then changes. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter where you are in the world, I really thank you for tuning in to The 600 Show. This is Dan Wagstaff. Enjoy it. Welcome back to the show, folks, and welcome all the way from Australia, Dan Wagstaff. Dan, how are you, buddy? Mate, I'm very well, thank you. Very well, uh, despite what we just spoke about, all the, the fires that's happening over here at the moment. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Let, let's, get, let's kick off with that. I mean, it is absolutely, we were talking about it before we pressed record there. Mate, wild. Australia is literally on fire. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we've, I mean, we've had bushfires here before, but this is just un, unprecedented in my lifetime. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of um, talk about this being one of the worst you know, bushfire seasons, if not the worst that we've ever had here. But, mate, it's 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 out of control. Like, I just don't really know how to describe it. I mean, you guys have seen on the news, I'm assuming, the size yeah. of the fires yeah. and the comparatively to the Amazon and comparatively to the, the fires in California. But Australia is just so vast and it's got so much – uh, dense bushland that we've just been in drought for so long that these fires are just once they started, man, it was really, really unlikely they were going to be stopped. Yeah, mate, and it's, that's that's what we were talking about before. Like they're so out of control that, I mean, what what what's the solution, mate? <laughs> man, it's a, oh, I don't know. It's just I mean, I guess it depends who you speak to and what opinion they have. But for for me right now, I guess my thoughts on it are. You know, the out-of-control fires need to be, I guess, contained in a way that they're trying to anticipate which direction the wind's going to blow and, and yeah. potentially protect the areas that it's going to start moving towards. Yeah. Um, an out-of-control fire is out of control. There's not really any stopping <laughs> it unless we get a big downpour of rain. But yeah. I guess right now it's more damage control and in future it's more looking at methods of prevention. Yeah. Um uh, so yeah, mate, it's it's going to be a very interesting uh, next couple of months and also next couple of years to see which which path we head down to try and stop this happening again. Yeah, mate, and we could go on and on on this show because there's a lot of backlash to the politicians and and all of that. I think the best thing that people could do is just open the news, go down to one of the Australian news websites, have a look, and then understand, like you said, mate, the magnitude of what's going on in your country is 
just mind-blowing, especially when you compare to... So last year we heard a lot about, you know, the Amazon fires and everyone sort of getting up in arms in that. You guys are like, I don't know, I think they were, they're about 20% of that of the devastation that's happened in Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, to give you, to give you a bit of an insight, um, I was actually just reading something from uh, a friend of mine. He mentioned that the air quality in basically the – there's like a measure of air quality that, um, you know, they, they put out as a reading of how toxic the air is. Yeah. And essentially, if you walk outside yeah. in Sydney right now, any I guess anywhere in New South Wales, it's really badly affected by the smoke. It's like pretty much like smoking about thirty-seven cigarettes with with regards to how toxic the smoke in the air is. Wow, it's uh, it's really really horrible. Incredible, mate. We'll leave politics and natural disasters to one side for a minute. Let's jump into a little bit more about you, mate, and what you're doing. But I want to start off because your story starts in an interesting way and ends up in fitness. Take us back, mate, to maybe the early days. You, you, you played rugby league and give us a little bit of your life story and then let's jump more into the fitness side later. Awesome. So, look, I'll, uh, I'll sort of try and uh, give you the, the shortish version. Um, started playing rugby league when I was about 10 years old. Um, I didn't really have a massive passion for sports when I was that young. Uh, but my, my old, old man, my dad played rugby league and, and growing up, getting a little bit older, about 10, 11 years old, thought I wanted to play as well. Got into my teenage years and really found a, a big passion for it, but um, ended up getting a few pretty decent injuries and had a, a shoulder reconstruction when I was 15 years old, a full reconstruction. Um, I was very, very passionate about defense. That was sort of the, the key to my game. Right, um, right. Then it got to a point after just sort of the reconstruction, rehabbing a few times after dislocations, I ended up having a few other injuries and it just sort of got to a point by the time I was about 18 that um, going through a rehabilitation for another injury was just not really something that I was prepared to do. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so uh, yeah, ended up... Uh, retiring uh, from a, a very, very short career in footy. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that being said, at the same time as well, um, I sort of, yeah, well, I guess before I got into fitness, I was living a pretty unhealthy lifestyle and, and spending um, a, a bit of time on the weekends and before and after school with a crowd that wasn't really... I guess conducive to me living uh, the life that I live now and ended up getting myself into a pretty unhealthy state and into some pretty interesting situations. <laughs> sure we can uh, dig yeah. a little bit deeper into those, mate. Tell us what's an interesting situation and, and, and state. Okay, so uh, I at my worst, I was probably about 100 kilos. Um, I, I left school after year 10 and went into a, a career in, in carpentry and got my trade as a carpenter. Um, in that career, spending a lot of time with, you know, I guess, sort of old school tradesmen, uh, having a few beers at the pub after work and, and smoking was a, a big thing uh, that I just sort of allowed myself to get led along with. Right. Uh, and right. Then, as I mentioned, at my worst, I was about 100 kilos and and a very out of shape 100 kilos, I might add. <laughs> uh, smoking a packet of cigarettes a day, 
drinking excessively, um, and then it eventually led into uh, experimenting with recreational drugs and sort of went down the path where I ended up in a position where I was taking and selling drugs uh, on a weekly basis. Wow. Wow. Yeah. When, mate, um, I, wanna, if, 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 I mean, you, you more than uh, more than welcome to tell me not to ask any more questions, but when you were doing that, was that feeling like the right thing? Was that feeling like a fulfilling life? Like what, what was the – or were you just doing it because of something else? Mate, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you've got. Um, I guess for me, one of the biggest breakthroughs and realizations that I've had, particularly in the past 12 months from a, a number of things that have happened to me in the past 12 months, which I'm, which I'm sure we'll get into, but one of the biggest things for me – actually being able to grow as a human being is being incredibly honest and open um, not only with other people but with myself yeah so ask away whatever you want to ask <laughs> but so, to, to answer your question at the time I was very I, I allowed myself to be led along uh, and be influenced quite easily and there was a number of other things that had sort of happened in my life around that time as well um, I had to watch my mother uh, basically battle a terminal illness for about six or seven years uh, ultimately leading in her passing away leading to her passing away when I was about 21 right and right. that was around the prime time when I was hanging around that crowd you know taking and, and selling drugs and whether I want to look at it and say, that was my method of burying my head in the sand to what was actually going on in my life yeah. or yeah. whether I was, you know, just just so easily influenced by the people that I was hanging around. I, I, I can't really answer that. But ultimately, all the decisions I was making at the time, I was probably just ignoring the fact that I did know that it was the wrong thing. Right. Um, and, you know, I did obviously get to a point where I realized I needed to distance myself from these people because I think it got to a point where that little voice in the back of my mind saying, you know, this is not the right thing to do eventually became so loud that I had to take action on it. How long did that take, mate? Um, I probably, in terms of the the consumption of, of drugs and living that lifestyle was probably a period of about four or five years. Wow. Uh, wow. In terms of the selling of, of drugs, uh, it was probably less than 12 months. Um, it, was, it was probably more so like six to eight months of, uh, of doing that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I look back on it now and it's, it's really interesting you know, the, the, pe the people I was hanging around and in particular the person that I was living with is, is actually now behind bars for commercial drug supply. Um, oh. So to, to sort of get put into perspective, you know, if I hadn't have made that sort of decision, I, I don't know where I could have ended up. I could have ended up, you know, in there right next to him. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty heavy thinking back on, uh, on those years and, and all those sort of decisions I made, to be honest. Was it a light bulb moment, mate? Was it just like realization this has to stop one day? I talk a lot about there's a lot of defining moments in a person's life. And I know for you, um, I, I guess particularly, you know, the accident that you had leading 
into you doing the 30 marathons in 30 days, yeah. I guess yeah. you'd probably look at that accident as a, as a defining moment in your life. Yep. And uh, I, I'm pretty big on looking at defining moments in an individual's life where the moment changes the trajectory of a person's thinking. Yes. And then obviously yes. you'd be well aware that when a person's thinking starts to change, their actions start to change, their outcome starts to look different. And I remember sitting in my car one morning and the, the interesting thing is this period actually overlapped when I began my career as a personal trainer. Right. So I was going into the gym and, and promoting health and fitness and living a healthy lifestyle while in the three days over the weekend, I was going out and, you know, writing myself off on alcohol and, and drugs. Mate, that sounds, uh, uh, sorry to jump in, but that sounds like quite a lot of uh, Insta-famous personal trainers are still doing these days, mate, so nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, look, I'm, I mean, like, I guess I won't say I'm not ashamed of it because I guess when I, when I explained that, that defining moment in a minute, it was a very um, profound realisation and I was quite ashamed at the time. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I look at it, I look at it now and I definitely feel like um, – you know, I'm very much of the opinion that everything that's happened to me leading up to this point has shaped who I am right now, and I'm very proud of who I am right now. For sure, yeah. But the defining moment, I remember sitting in the car uh, on a Monday morning at about 4 a.m., and I hadn't had much sleep because I'd been out the night before at a, a local pub and obviously been up to no good. Yeah. And I remember looking in the rearview mirror and actually saying out loud to myself that your mum would be fucking ashamed of you right now. And... uh Pretty much from that day, I made the decision to, to move out of where I was living, distance myself and, and stop saying yes to going out with these guys. And, um, you know, look, to be honest, it's, it's nothing that these guys weren't forcing me to make these decisions. They were just the crowd I was hanging around with, you know, and, and I actually saw quite a few of them recently at a, at a wedding. And I have no problem having chats to them and talking to them, but it was ultimately me allowing myself to be led down that path, which ultimately meant that I had to make the decision to, to break away from that path. Yeah. Wow. So hey. that was a big, big turning point for me there. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's, uh, that's crazy. So the, the, the catalyst really is, yeah, you, you thought about your mom and she'd be ashamed of you in the state that you're in that morning at 4 a.m., mate. That's just wild. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and in thinking to myself after saying that statement out loud that I was about to walk in to people that were paying money to have a service provided by me on living a healthy lifestyle, it was just like all these things that I, I think, I mean, I already knew them. Like I'm not a, I'm a smart guy. Yeah. I already knew these things, but it took me looking myself in the eyes in the rearview mirror saying that statement to realize man you're about to walk in and try and tell these people how to live a healthier lifestyle but look what you're doing to yourself every weekend yeah so for me that just having that integrity and and that realization was a, enough of a, of a push for me to go okay mate you need to make some decisions so what did you do mate you're four o'clock in the morning that monday morning what did you do next I walked in and uh, I held my head up high and I delivered the sessions that I was due to deliver that morning uh, and I spoke to one of the boys that I worked with at the time, Ryan Gardner, and he basically took me into his home with his wife and their one-year-old son and basically said, all right, you're moving in with us, you're going to live with us until 
you work out what you're going to do. And uh, to this day, I'm incredibly thankful uh, for him and his wife and, and uh, their family for, for taking me in because yeah. I don't really know what I would have done had that not have been the case. I mean, I'm sure I would have found an option, but it was yep. just, you know, what they did at the time for me, opening their home was just incredible. That's wild, isn't it? You've gone from hanging around with, with one crowd who's bringing you down to you've, this incredibly fast transition to this other couple that have, Ryan, say, almost saved your life, really, mate. Pretty much, you know. Like it's, uh, I mean, it's a very cliched thing to say, but you do become the people that you spend the most time with. And agree, you know, yeah. as soon right. as I made that decision to break away from that crowd a lot of positive things and, and, and big uh, opportunities started presenting themselves. Talk to us and, about um, some of those, mate, because that's what, I'm, that's what I'm excited to hear about as well. Okay, cool. So um, pretty much after that point, uh, I, a couple of months later, I ended up being promoted to the studio manager uh, at the, the gym that I was working at. Um, this was probably back in 2013, so quite some a number of years ago now. But uh, that was when I first started getting a taste of uh, endurance sport and running my first half marathon, eventually leading to me wondering what it would be like to run twice the distance of a half marathon and complete my first full marathon. And I guess curiosity just started getting the better of me um, and opportunities to do some really incredible races have presented themselves over the last two to three years in particular. And as I mentioned before, with regards to, you know, when you start changing your thinking, you start changing your actions and then your outcomes and your landscape starts changing. Um, I do put a lot of my opportunities that I've had in the last few years down to that defining moment and making that decision to, to take action and step away from that lifestyle. And yeah, some of the events that I've been fortunate enough to participate in in the last two years uh, have been absolutely life changing and met some incredible people who have become some of my closest friends and and even yourself to a degree. I mean, this is probably I think this is actually the first time we've spoken yeah, um, yeah. outside of texting yeah. or emailing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but your influences inspired me to sign up for Ultra X Mexico this year. So incredible. Uh, yeah, there's some some really cool events that I've done over the last couple of years. What talk to us about the first one, mate, and then maybe some of the, some of the other ones. Give people a, a, a an idea of you know. <laughs> I guess for ten minutes there, I drew all the bad out of you. This guy drinking drugs, drug dealer, and now we're talking about we got to give you the, your 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 light, mate, and your glory. What yeah. what's all the all the stuff that you've done? Okay, so um, obviously you started with uh, road races, half marathons, full marathons, and. Um, it was actually in 2018, uh, one of my best mates and I um, basically started a, a campaign together to, to raise money for two charities that were really, really close to us. And uh, it was basically training for a, a road marathon. And it's pretty much the flattest road marathon in Australia. It's where a lot of people run their, their best marathon times. Right. That's up right. on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, my goal was to run a sub three hour. And... Uh, so, I mean, obviously, you, you're, you're aware running a sub-three-hour marathon is no easy feat. Uh, it took a lot of preparation and, and time and hours to put into it. But an interesting turn of events happened during that training campaign where I had an opportunity to complete my first ultra-marathon by receiving a ticket to a 50K race about 10 days before the event. Wow. 
Now, all my training had been flat on road, uh, a lot of speed work, and this race had about 2,500 metres of elevation over 50Ks on pure trail, uh, which I had done zero training for. But as I said earlier, curiosity just gets the better of me sometimes, and I wanted to test myself by running an ultra. So I signed up for that race 10 days out. I uh, completed that in about five hours and 55 minutes or something, and I was just wow. hooked on trail running wow. after that, absolutely hooked. Um, what, and that what, eventually what led, was it, led mate? to me. What, was, what did you love about it the first time you went out and did it? I loved the challenge of it. Um, not so much physically. I was, I was quite confident physically that I was going to be able to complete it. Um, I'm just of the mindset that, you know, you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. So it didn't really matter. Um, that wasn't really in the equation, but it was more so the the mental game that you go through when, you know, you've got, um, you know, about 14K to go in this race. It's pretty much all uphill for the last 14Ks, and and the last kilometre is about 951 stairs. And knowing that you've got that at the end of the race and having that constantly just play up in your mind, thinking, okay, should I be pushing it here? Should I back off here and be conservative? Like, that mental game, I feel like those ultra races, they're just, it's always just like a problem to be solved. I kind of view it as almost like an equation that you just have to come up with the right, uh, the right formula for. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that curiosity was just too much. And I think just the change in landscape, it wasn't boring just running flat on the road. You had single track, you had wide fire trail, you've got downhill stairs, marching uphill, um, surrounded by incredibly beautiful bushland, which, I mean, unfortunately, that track is completely burnt out at the moment. Um, but, mate, that was, that's, that's what got me, just the, the beautiful scenery and the challenge of it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special. I get a lot of people these days. I actually had a guy yesterday that sent me a video. He was in Arizona, and it was the first time he went out in 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 the countryside, basically. And he he's, he was just doing a walk, and it was like three or four hour walk. And he sent me a video. He goes, mate, now I understand why you run across all these different countrysides, mountains, and countries. He said, I've been out here literally yeah. half an hour, and yeah. I'm having the time of my life. It's uh, yeah, it's quite amazing. So that was uh, that, that was the first one, mate. You did a fifty k. Did you do the marathon the following week as well? Well, the, the marathon was about six weeks later, so I did okay. do that, and I failed to run a sub three. <laughs> I, uh, That's, that was going to be my next question. I, I think I was, yeah, I was think I was still carrying some very heavy legs uh, from all the elevation in in the the ultra race. Um, but that basically just tickled my fancy enough to make me sign up for the hundred k in the following year. So last year, two thousand nineteen, I ended up coming back to the same race and doing the hundred. Which race was it? Ultra Trail Australia, right. 100. Right, that's a decent race. It is, yeah. It's um, it's probably one of the best in, in my, I guess, in my short ultra career. Um, from what I understand, it's one of the biggest ultra races in uh, in in the country, if not the biggest. Right. Um, and attracts a lot of uh, international competitors as well. Yeah, right. And how did that go? Mate, that actually went swimmingly <laughs> it actually went really really fucking well yeah uh, so the bloke i was mentioning before who we uh we did the campaign for the, the gold coast marathon together yeah he and i did pretty much all of our training together we're very very fortunate where we live to have 
endless kilometers of beautiful national park on our doorstep. And um, so put in a a big training campaign of about five or six months for that. And we're aiming to go about 13 hours. And we ended up running uh, 13.10. Wow. And everything just went pretty much according to plan. We had no issues. We had no cramping. We had no nutrition problems. We had, we arrived at our checkpoints on time every time. Um, the only thing that went wrong for me, I don't really run with music, but in this 100K, I thought, you know what, I'm going to have some headphones at the last checkpoint to maybe get me through that that last little bit in the dark, the last 22Ks in the darkness. Yeah. And uh, I got there and the, the headphones didn't work, so I was just stuck in silence for in the dark last 22 days this is exactly why i never recommend anyone uses headphones because when you really need them the most they don't bloody work and there's this whole you're so excited for it aren't you and it's like this last bit of energy that's going to pick you up and take you there and then it doesn't work and it's just like oh my god the the interesting thing is i look back at it now and i'm actually really glad that didn't work because it again as i mentioned the reason i love these events is because of the the mental challenge that i have and or that i receive and when those headphones didn't work it was like okay dude put them in your pocket let's see let's see how you're gonna handle this yeah i like that that's a nice uh as a good attitude and mate that course is that it's no joke you've got about four thousand something meters elevation from what i remember right about four and a half thousand meters elevation. It's uh, it's pretty gnarly. Wow, wow. So you hit the, you hit the target in that, mate, and you must have been absolutely buzzing. Yeah, man. And running across that finish line, I've, I've actually got some footage running across that line, and I've watched it so many times. It gives me chills every time I watch it. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Huge. But uh, off off the back of that, there's been um you know some other pretty cool events that I've been fortunate enough to do as well involving um some adventure racing so multi-discipline um with kayaking and mountain biking and um that sort of longer distance stuff as well had a couple of races um organized by red bull called red bull defiance right and uh one of them was over in new zealand in a a town called wanaka so wanaka is a very very mountainous area um, I couldn't tell you what the elevation in that race was, but that race is 150 k's long. Had you know kayaking, running, mountain biking, wow. Uh, wow. a couple of other little things in there. And uh, yeah, that was a really really cool event as well over a couple of days. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, that's just sort of. I guess that's just sort of some of the other opportunities and races that I've been fortunate enough to be involved in. And again, just I put it down to making that decision to. You know, alter the trajectory of my own life uh, back in back in that in the car that morning, mate. Incredible. And at the same time, mate, I want to j- jump into. I mean, gee, we could talk about we could talk about one thing here for hours, but I want to try and get as much in as we can. You have your, your, your you, you have your your fitness business, mate. You're the you're the founder. You're, you you run Mind Body Athletic with a with a few other guys over there. Talk to us a little bit about that and what you guys actually do. Super slick website. Go check it out, folks. Mindbodyathletic.com.au. Tell us about that, Dan. So yeah, so Mind Body Athletic was born after I I decided to leave that job, uh, that personal training job I was mentioning before. Um, I went back into building for about 15 months, just sort of trying to decide what I wanted to do and and realize that I wanted to be in health and fitness, but I wanted to be in health and fitness on my own terms and build something that I guess I was super passionate about. And uh, that's how Mind Body Athletic was born. 
Uh, we are a group training-based facility. Um, I guess I've taken a, a little bits and pieces from every sort of style of training that I've, you know, participated in over over the years. You know, CrossFit, yep. um, group style circuit training, strength conditioning programs, um, and basically just taken, I guess, the best of what I perceived out of you know all those training methodologies and yeah. created a program. Uh, that I feel, you know, suits the the demographic that we have here in in, in Cronulla. Yeah. And yep. yeah, mate, we have a, a variety of different classes. We have an absolutely incredible bunch of, of members and a very very strong community uh, down at Mind Body Athletic, who have all really shown how strong our community actually is, particularly in the past couple of weeks with all these fires and, and pulling together and donating and. Um, and doing everything they possibly can to support the Australian community. That's that's amazing. amazing. We're sort of back a little bit to what you said earlier, hanging around with a certain crowd, mate. And talk to us a little bit about how you create like a strong community within within your gym and and the importance of that. Okay, so I am a big believer in that your community – creates the culture you know you have obviously you've got myself who started the business and I've got staff uh, who, who run the business and coach the sessions and they are obviously key elements to, to having a successful fitness business but for me the, the clients are the guys that spend the time with each other day in day out they're the ones who are turning up to the gym they're the ones who are making the friends they're the ones who are inviting people who have just joined the gym out on, you know, weekend lunches or going out to watch sporting events. So the clientele that we have, I like to sort of try and focus around, I guess what I call some foundation members, members that have been with us from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I know that they're the ones who are truly loyal and passionate about Mind Body Athletic and they'll follow us to the ends of the earth. And we really make sure that when you know new members come on board that we are very diligent in introducing them to as many members as we possibly can. And honestly, it, it's got to a point now where our members create the culture. The, the culture is and the, the community that we have revolves around um, you know a key bunch of members that have been with us from, from day one. And, and it's very, very evident when you walk in on any given session that new members feel immediately welcome uh, and you look at the people in the class that at that time and it's no wonder why they feel that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And ultimately it makes my job uh, and, and our staff, uh, their job a lot easier because all we have to do is ensure that people are getting results, people are being introduced to each other um, and people are being held accountable to turning up to sessions. Yeah, it's uh, it it you make it sound quite simple, mate. But having you know having built our business and running running it, you know you you say yeah, it's the members and introducing people and make you know all those basic things. But mate, it takes yeah. a damn lot of hard work at the same time, right? It definitely does. It definitely does. Like I mean, I think I sort of tried to simplify it as much as I possibly could then because <laughs> I know we're trying to jam pack as much as we can into this time frame. But yeah, yeah. I mean, anything that successful doesn't come without hard work um, and a lot of time and effort put into it. And and when I when I just described that then, I guess that's how it is right now. Yep. In the yep. years in the years leading up to this point, 
where I was the marketing director, I was the coach, I was the, um, I did all the acquisition, I did the retention, I did, when I was the only employee of my company, trying to get that snowball to gain momentum was obviously a lot of hard work and it was a lot of it was driven from me. Um, so I think I sort of gave a bit of a snapshot of what it's currently like uh, at the moment. So yeah, you're definitely right. It doesn't come without hard work, mate. Mate, what do you do to sort of train your mind? Do you have any rituals that, you know, you, you obviously, you, you fast become successful in ultra running. You're running a successful business. You were able to turn your life around. Is there any things that you consciously do daily? We hear a lot about people, reflective journals, journaling, morning rituals. What's, what's your hacks, Dan, for, for the success that you've built both in your business and also in your athletic endeavors? Okay, so in terms of, I guess, um, you know, athletic endeavors over the course of 12 months, I'll start New Year's Day every year by doing something that I really don't want to do. <laughs> uh, and that basically sets the – that sets me a personal standard internally for, for the year ahead, knowing that, okay, this is the standard you've set, set for yourself on January 1st you don't drop that standard for the year when it comes to your, your physical training and then the events that you're going to commit yourself to. Um, journaling is definitely a huge part of my life and it has become more so a massive part of my life in the past probably six to seven or eight months, I, sh I should say now. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's another one of those – the journaling has been another one of those life-changing or trajectory-altering um, – things that has really changed the the path for me in these last six to seven months um you know another sort of i guess another defining moment um as i was talking about before i'm sort of in the midst of a a, a, a marriage breakdown at the moment and the journaling has been that consistent practice of, of daily gratitude acceptance of the things that are out of my control an action on the things that I can control and then ultimately my, my daily, weekly and, and life purpose, following that structure in my journal every single day has allowed me to really move forward from a lot of things and it's really, it hones in my focus not only in my personal life but it hones in my focus on my professional life as well because, you know, there's so, so many things. It's, it's such a cliche thing to say but there's so, so many things that you have to be grateful for and once you get it down on paper and it's looking back at you in the face, it actually becomes real and then you can actually recognize, okay, you know what, I actually really am grateful for that instead of just mulling over it, mulling over in your head and, and, uh, and thinking about it. And uh, I guess the action and the acceptance of the things that I can and can't control and, and defining my purpose for the day or the week or whatever it may be, yeah. they've been absolutely key for personal, professional and athletic uh, endeavors um, over the past few years, 100%. Mate, you said something really interesting there, and I want to try and pick up on it a little bit. We hear that a lot, like people say, yeah, you should be grateful for things. You obviously identify that daily. So what what are you grateful for, mate? What do you look at into your life and go, yeah, this is and – and it brings you motivation. And talk us through that a little bit because I think that's quite interesting and very useful for the listeners. Okay, so – the, the friend I've mentioned a couple of times, he and I have sort of come up with this method of journaling and, and it's basically called Bridging the Gap and GAP is an acronym and it's Gratitude, Acceptance, Purpose and right. 
the gratitude is the biggest thing that we start the day with um, or whenever you actually get to sit down and write in your journal. And we actually laugh because sometimes, I mean, I've definitely felt in the past where I've tried to write down my gratitude and I sometimes feel like I'm just taking a piss, like oh, I'm grateful, <laughs> I've got, grateful I've got a roof over my head, I'm grateful I've got clothes on my back. Like, yeah. <laughs> grateful for that. But the more you practice it, it's really interesting how much more aware you become of the things that you're actually grateful for. So, you know, for example, uh, today I am grateful for the fact that I had half an hour to spare between leaving my business and coming to set up to have a chat with you to get, go down to the ocean, walk down on the grass in bare feet, sit there and meditate for 15 minutes. Nice. And for someone who runs a business, as as you'd know yourself, getting a spare moment uh, at any stage of the day is is challenging at times. Mm. Um, you know, so those tiny little things, or even the fact that last night, as I was falling asleep, I heard raindrops pattering on the rooftop, and you know, I'm incredibly grateful that we had some rain after all the devastation with the fires. You know, like yeah. if you're willing to look hard enough not only externally for things to be grateful for, but if you're willing to look hard enough internally for things to be grateful for, there is literally, you know, a million things that you could come up with. Amazing. Amazing. That, mate, that's so, it's so true, isn't it? Like, and a lot of that stuff, like people listening go, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I did that. Maybe I heard rain, but I just take it for granted. And, you know, a lot of people go, oh, Thank, thank God it's finally fucking raining, you know, oh, yeah. about, about time we yeah. had some rain, but you sort of come back with a different energy and turn it around and go, oh, I'm just grateful that it's raining. Like it's just a bit of gratitude, which I think in, in, in the modern era, it's perhaps a bit lost. We take a lot of things for granted or we, we live in expectations. We expect this and that and the other to happen. Whereas, you know, 50, 50 years ago, there wasn't running water for some people, you know, and, and in a lot of countries right now, there isn't running water, you know, and it's just like, wow, you can turn on the tap and brush your teeth and that's great. And I know all of this sounds like, oh, yeah, these, these two hippies yapping on about stuff, but actually sometimes it's quite, it can be quite cleansing to just silently be grateful for those things. Absolutely, mate. And, and the interesting thing is about journaling too, you know, like, I've actually spoken to a lot of people about journaling, journaling sorry, and been a big advocate for it. The beauty of journaling is no one else gets to see it. So a lot of people just have this fear of what other people are going to think of them. But yeah. the beauty of journaling is like the only person that gets to see it is you. And for me, if you're feeling uncomfortable reading the things that you're writing, there's a disconnection there with what you think about yourself. Yeah. And I remember when I first started trying to journal and some of the things I was writing, I was actually like almost embarrassed to be reading what was coming out of my mind onto the paper. But <laughs> the more I started to recognize that, okay, hold on a minute, you're, you're being so incredibly judgmental of yourself. Yeah. Maybe that's what's actually holding you back from moving forward and taking that step in, in your own life in certain areas because you're thinking that other people are going to be thinking certain things about you when when truly it's actually you that's thinking those things about yourself. So that's another thing that's just been so incredibly powerful and, and something that I've learned from journaling uh, in this past year. 
Mate, amazing. And I think in those five minutes, if you haven't inspired someone to, to spend a little bit more time in reflection, even if folks, you're not going to write it down, even like Dan says, you may be feeling a little bit embarrassed at the moment. Just create those moments in your life where you just think and maybe just create mental notes to start. That's where it can start. But like you said, mate, I always encourage people, take a bit of pen and paper, have your own little black book. Like I've, I've had black moleskin books for, for a long time now, and no one's ever opened it. I don't think my wife even opens it. And if they do, I don't, I don't really care. But it, it is quite funny sometimes when you just start doodling, writing stuff down, you, like it's someone looking over my shoulder. And then, but actually, it doesn't really matter. This is for you. And it's nothing to do with them. And yeah, that's right. You, you, you don't need to put judgment on, on yourself. You just need to let those thoughts come out. So, yeah, that's a, mate, 100%. so many powerful things here. Another thing that I want to ask you about, mate, uh, which is a project that, 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 that you're doing, you've also started a podcast, which is, has such a great name. It's basically a good chin wag. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that, and let's get some people over to listen to that for you. Okay, so look, it's it's called a good chinwag. Um, the my co-host name is Adam Good, and my last name is Wagstaff. And uh, obviously, having a good chinwag is just having a chat. So um, the the name just fit perfectly for us. And uh, ultimately, this podcast was born from the hours and hours and hours of endless training in the bush uh, that we do together, where we just have so many deep chats about life and solving the world's problems that were like. We need to start a fucking podcast. Yeah, right. so, uh, yeah that was how that was born. And, and, and the, I guess the structure of it just became, you know, we, we just wanted to get everyday people on sharing their story because I think sometimes, you know, the everyday person, which is, I guess, who, you know, people like you and I are dealing with on a day-to-day basis in our, in our businesses, yeah. they yeah. often look at these superstar athletes or, you know, I guess the Insta-famous people or, you know, <laughs> they put these people up on a pedestal and, and think that they're, they're not quite at their standard, whereas you know they're just not, they're just people, they're just everyday people. So yeah. we wanted to just get the uh, the local hero on to share their story about how they overcame obstacles and adversity and and the silver lining in in their own life, so that people can take some value and uh, some lessons and potentially liken it to a similar circumstance or instance that, that they're going through or they have been through in the past as well. That's amazing. It's it's a great show. I really enjoyed. It. I've listened to the show, obviously, where where you were interviewed by Adam, and I'm looking forward to listening to a few more of those. I'll also put a link to that in the show notes, folks, if you want to get some easy access to that. But it's just it's called a good chin wag. So go and go and check that out. But mate, it's it's very interesting what you're saying there as well. You obviously spend quite a bit of time with Adam, and it's the same. I've got a few guys that we spend a lot of time sort of in ultras in the mountains with, and you have these incredible conversations don't you about life and i mean the the amount of it's like uh, running's running's creative time running yeah. is where all of your best ideas come from isn't it <laughs> uh, uh, yeah pretty much mate i mean you think of, of a lot of things and you know i'm 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 not really a creative person but obviously when i do different talks and stuff i'll i'll literally i'll have a few ideas in my head and then i'll go out for a run or i'll go out for a ride and it's again i think it goes back a lot to what you're talking about there in in journaling and appreciation and stuff is that run creates complete almost emptiness in life it creates so much space if we go out for a ride for three or four hours especially if you're on your own you're just there's no distractions and that's i think when as humans we're able to create 
are almost our purest form. And in, in, in ultra running as well, it's great because we're often in places where there's absolutely no phone signal. So, you yeah. know, you can't, if you're going to write something down on your phone, you don't go to your phone and see that you've had a message and then get distracted. You can just write stuff down. And I remember when I actually, when I ran through the Sahara, I had my phone with me and I just, I knew it wasn't working, but I just was making notes on it like at the end of every day and it cre- yeah so that's that's another plug for everyone to get involved more in endurance stuff or or not just in endurance but just like you did earlier mate just go and and have that walk on the beach and just understand the power of that as well i think it's very important for me it's the power of solitude um and I, i've mentioned this before like people they stay away from solitude because they're fearful of what they might think and and obviously when people are trapped within their own thoughts um, you know, we're, we're pe- human beings are the most judgmental creatures on the planet. And when people get trapped in their own thoughts, that's when uh, they start, obviously, their, their mind starts running wild. But what you mentioned before about running and, and where you almost become that purest state of being that you are. Yeah. People, when I mentioned meditation before, people often think about meditation as like bald head sitting there with your legs <laughs> crossed and your, your fingers in a circle. Yeah. Uh, but meditation, man, like every time I run solo and I'm just purely focused on the task at hand and taking in the surroundings, that's meditation, man. Like you're, you're alone with your thoughts and you're, you're, you're purely focused on one task and that is, completing the run ahead of you you know it's and meditation doesn't just have to be sitting there um you know with your legs crossed yeah absolutely it can it can happen in all different ways mate before we wrap up i've got two i've got two more questions i want to know what's on for you for this year you've spoken about ultra x mexico what are you looking forward to what are the challenges coming up and what yeah what's going on for 2020 okay so most exciting one I've got this year besides Ultra X Mexico is uh, I've got a race in March in the US called the Speed Project, and it's a race from Santa Monica Pier to Las Vegas, the Las Vegas sign. What? It is 550Ks, and it's basically a relay. So I've got five teammates. We start at Santa Monica Pier at 4 a.m. on a Friday morning. Three, two, one, go. See you in Las Vegas. Get there as fast as you can. Uh, it's a relay, so you run sort of five to ten k's. Tag your mate, jump in a van, leapfrog them, and it's just go time all the way there. So that's probably the one thing I'm most excited about coming up. Wow. Um, and yeah, obviously Ultra X Mexico at the end of the year. Got a couple of little. Uh, I'll, I'll do Ultra Trail Australia 50k race again. I'll do Red Bull Defiance Australia again. Uh, but those two, the Speed Project and Ultra X, are my biggest focuses for this year. Incredible. And at, at Mind Body Athletic, what's going on down there this year? Mind Body Athletic, a lot's happening at the moment. I've just put another staff member on who was actually an existing client, and uh, we announced that at our Christmas party, and all the members are absolutely wrapped to have him on board. Amazing. Um, we're actually moving the podcast studio to uh, to Mind Body Athletic as well upstairs, which is exciting. Oh, cool. uh, but for me, mate, just uh, develop, developing my staff and, and continuing to allow our community to uh to to create that culture and grow and 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 do a lot of things in the community as well is uh, a big focus for us we're very very passionate about um community endeavors and and uh and things like that too 
That's very cool, mate. Very, very exciting. Yeah, folks need to definitely go and check Dan out, follow what's going on, hop over to their website. As I said, mindbodyathletic.com.au, over on Instagram as well. I'll put all these links in the show notes. It's dan.mba. And I'll also link to, to your podcast, mate, because there's a lot, uh, there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff comes out of your, uh, your, your Instagram. And I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot of cool stuff on that podcast as well. You guys just talk, you can tell that you're very good mates and you just sort of literally chin wag. So it's a very, <laughs> it's a really good, uh, listen, mate, before we wrap it up. And if you've listened to some of my shows before, you'll maybe know that this question is coming. If not, it'll catch you a little bit off guard, but that's okay. My last question for you, Dan, is you've obviously learned a lot along the way, mate. You've had some incredible experiences, which we've just scratched, I think, the surface on, on a lot of them. and We've got to go deeper another day. But, mate, one piece of advice from everything you've learned so far that you'd leave the listeners with, what would that one piece of advice be? One piece of advice, okay, this is something that stuck with me that I read a number of years ago and anytime anyone ever asks me um, a question like this, this is what I come back with and that is, in the end, you have to give everything back. You cannot take anything with you. All you get to take is the love that you gave, the love that you received and the experiences that your soul got to have and the only way you're going to have those experiences is if you get out and just have a go. Awesome. What a way to finish. Dan Wagstaff from Australia, Mind Body Athletic. Absolute legend, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Mate, thank you so much for having me. I honestly, truly appreciate it. It's fantastic to, uh, to actually get to speak to you, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll cross paths again in the future. Yeah, those, uh, I might be looking for a place on that team in, uh, in America, but don't tell my wife. But still, that's probably something <laughs> off the record. <laughs> yeah, mate, definitely jump on their Instagram and check it out, The Speed Project. It's epic. That sounds amazing. Dan, thanks a lot for your time, mate. And uh, we hope that you stay safe down there in Australia. We'll be keeping an eye on that as well. Thank you so much, mate. All right, buddy. Cheers now. Take care, bud. Bye.